Ham and egg, bitches. We're in the house. What is up? Steven, JJ. Uh, We're getting ready to bring on our first Jim the Bartender. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. We're excited. Uh, it is July 12th. Sorry for the little hiatus. We're going to have another little hiatus coming up. Unless I get a wild hair and do something on my own. Or maybe Steve... I call in oh, from the road. Oh, That's what I was thinking. So Steve's getting ready to go on a trip with his gal. Where are you guys going? Uh, we are going to well, start in Germany and uh, where she lives. And then we are going to uh, mosey on over to Amsterdam to say hello to it. And then up to through Denmark over to the west side of Norway. Yeah. Uh, a couple different the, cities up there and explore the fjords. The fjords. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah, excited yeah. for you. I'm excited as well. So, uh, yes. Fuck, man. Uh, you call Jimmy, and I'm going to get the music in the background going. Okay, so you can get that bumping. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. give him a call and see if this kid's ready for this. All right. We're excited about this. Now, if there's technical difficulties, we apologize ahead of time because we've never done this. I'm going to actually pause while you dial. Welcome to Ham and Egg, Jim. Ham and Egg. Yes. It is. So thank okay. you for joining us today. I know you've had a busy day and, and you're uh, breaking away to uh, share a moment with us. I'm prying into my busy social calendar. I just mailed a package. You did, did you? Yeah. How'd that go? It's, it's always a really good. It's always a really good experience. Either UPS, FedEx, USPS. USPS this time it was a breeze too and it's going to be there tomorrow to its destination according to the tracking. So, what? So. You had to get something out of there in a hurry, did you? Didn't even have to pay, pay anything extra. That was a straight thing. Priority mail out there seven seven dollars and twenty five cents and it's there tomorrow in Nevada, <laughs> California. How is it that they don't lose money, huh? I don't know. Like <laughs> what they do. <laughs> They love what they do. You know, I had to explain to young JJ, he didn't know the term going postal. He had no idea what that meant. I mean, <laughs> Is that dated? That I mean, I know, I know the term. I've used the term, but I didn't know the background story that somebody literally, like, went postal. Yeah, that was a thing. That was like a couple, that happened a couple times. Like, uh, the postal workers were the postal boys or going postal. <laughs> that is correct. And it was kind of cornered. I mean, they kind of had it all to themselves till everybody else, you know, went a shooting. Yeah, all the frustrations of the labor force were bottled up in the uh, in the postal service. I was going to say, what's that say about our society that the USPS people, they were the first to crack. <laughs> they showed us the way to start shooting shit up. I think they were just the, 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 the conduit for, like, anybody that works with the public that has to put up with the frustration. <laughs> there you go. Of working with the public and having public and having to, you know, smile while they're pissed off. What a great segue! That is a great segue. Thank you, Jim, for the setup. Uh, uh, you betcha. <laughs> so let's just jump right in a little bit. Um, what do you do for vo- uh, vocation, sir? I can bar. And you're new to this. You you new to bartending? Are you? No, I'm not. I've been doing this for I don't know what is this 2018. I've been doing this for about, I, I can't do math. <laughs> a long time. Tell us when you started. <laughs> it was like 92. Okay. That sounds right. That? No, it was earlier. No, bro, it was earlier than that because uh, you were bartender up at Fridays when we were roommates. And oh, so yeah. that would have been. Steve loved nin- your Fridays days. Uh, that would have been 1990, 91. I was a, I was a waiter for a while, though. I think I started bartending about a year after I started. Oh, did you? Okay. You know, they were training me to tend bar when I got in my car wreck, so whatever year that was. 
So it's been a quarter of a century. Yeah. I know you're not good with numbers, but yeah, that that's what I'm going with. 24 years. I'm not a numbers guy. I was an English major, so. Yes, and uh, which again, you've been you said you've been bartending for 25 plus years, but yet you come with paper. I mean, you, you're you're you've got some validation as a teacher. Is that correct, sir? Uh, well, there's a little gray area there. I don't know if you would call it. Uh, I've, I've never been certified in any legal way. In <laughs> fact, I was kind of denied uh, certification. You know, when you go uh, and try to uh, get a job subbing, you know, you can get all your ducks in a row as far as you know, and then you got to go talk to the Department of Justice about your legal background and all that kind of stuff. And I think I had some stumbles there. Stumbles? So I, I never, yeah. Yeah, I didn't disclose everything. I didn't know how. I didn't know how airtight I had to be about <laughs> about disclosing every little okay. detail. I was pulling off a memory, and I think I left a few things out. Oh, uh, that happens though. Can Can I just ask though? Like, what would you have might have left off? Just, just I'm. I mean, just between us. Well, to be honest, I was really trying to remember everything. I wasn't. I don't think I deliberately left anything off. But I know that I left something off because it didn't ask me to bring like my. <laughs> My uh, my history of of uh, what malfeasance is. Uh, so I didn't bring any. I didn't go get like a documented history of all of it. So I, I didn't have any paperwork to go by. So I was just kind of going by memory, and I don't think I got it all on there. So I think that was my downfall. That was a problem. Okay, can I ask a? a it ended up being a problem because I I had applied, and they told me I'd be in a classroom within a week, and you know you might want to fit in. They just giving me all the the tips and pointers they were glad to have me aboard they basically hired me they were just waiting for the the go-ahead from the doj and uh that never came big red light huh big red light do not pass they kind of they got a red light somewhere and and uh now i'm still a bartender (laughs) okay um that's part of it Uh, you say tongue-in-cheek but uh there was financial reasons behind that correct there was what? Weren't there financial reasons? Didn't you? Uh, I, th- I think you shared with me once. You would you make more money as a bartender than you would have. Well, there's no question about that. Yeah, I would have taken a big pay cut. You know, it it would have been it would have been disastrous. I think. I don't think I would have liked it to tell you the truth. Really? No, I don't think. I, I think I would have been a good teacher, but I don't think I would have liked uh, all the other crap you have to do. Oh with yeah. Being a teacher. Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine like the politics within the school itself, and like grinding out your ten? You're talking to Sally at the lunchroom cafeteria about her fucking ten cats and her tuna fish salad sandwich. Yes, all those all those images <laughs> kind of referred to me, and plus dealing with the people above you, and and you know what really kind of frightened me was dealing with parents. Yeah, absolutely. That that that, that didn't appeal to me at all. What a nightmare. So I, I ended up not doing something that I thought I wouldn't like doing. But do you think it had anything to do when we go? I want to kind of pedal back a little back to the DOJ. Um, did you mention the Yosemite time? I think I did. You know, all the highlights were there. Were <laughs> <laughs> Yosemite's a highlight. Can you please just? I'm not going to ask you to go through all of them, but it's still one of my favorites. Um, not many people get to spend time in the Yosemite jail. Um, why were you there? Uh, I was there. Uh, I don't know how much of the story you want, but it was uh, it, 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 it was the result of a trip that I made to Yosemite with uh, Scott May and Todd Ricchetti. Should I name names, or is that a bad? Thing? Oh no, you're fine. You, you yeah, one of, one of them can't defend himself. So, 
Right, one's one's gone, so he can't say anything. Anyway, we went up there and uh, uh, just to have a good time and <laughs> get out of town and party <laughs> or whatever, and and uh, and uh, there was nothing going on party-wise really up there. And we ran into a couple of guys at the cafeteria, and they're like, you know, we're like, hey, you know, what's going on? Party? They were gonna play some poker, and he's like, yeah, and my my sister and her friends are hanging around, so we're like, okay, we'll come over to your place and play some cards and discussed your sister and her friends and that's exactly what we did <laughs> your goal <laughs> was met beer over there and uh the girls did not like us at all from the second we walked in they didn't like us but but uh that does not deter a young Todd Teddy one day. i was about to say he just puts his tool belt on that's just going to give him more encouragement right he takes it as a challenge more than any human i, I remember yeah, it was a thing where it's like, okay, you know, it was like a, it was like a challenge to him, and it was funny, you know, in a way because, uh, you know, me and Scott just got to watch it all unfold, and it's just, it's just a funny thing to watch. So that's what we did, you know. And Todd ends up, <laughs> we know what, we kind of know what happened because the girls gave their statement and. Mean, <laughs> it's, it's they all, they it's gave all in their the statement. statement. But we were reading that, you know, we were reading the police report in front of the judge and, and uh, having a very hard time not cracking up <laughs> what the girls had to say about what Todd's behavior was. And but uh, anyways, they ended up not not liking us. Todd didn't like the fact that they didn't like us and and uh, persisted in his pursuits. And uh, they decided to leave and go across the hall to their room. We were staying. They were staying in the Iwani Lodge, by the way. We were staying, which is basically a hotel in Yosemite. And. Uh, so they go to their room across the hall, and me and Todd, I, I had a, I had a tendency to enjoy mischief when I used to drink and stuff, and so when they when they left and Todd wanted to go after them, I was right on board with that, and so we pounded on their door across the hall, and one of the it's blurry, but one of the other of us, it might have been me or Todd, ran down to the end of the hall and grabbed the fire hose off the wall, and ran down there, and we, I think we were just going to scare them. And uh, you know, point the hose at them when they open their door. <laughs> Are you talking about the fire hose I think still? It was me. I don't know. Somebody turned the somebody turned the water on. When they opened the door, the water started just blasting in the room. They shut the door. We thought it was hilarious. Of course, because it is. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but we dropped the hose. We didn't turn the water off. We just turned. We just dropped the hose and left. <laughs> well and, planned. Uh, and uh, Todd and Scott ended up going to the they had central showers. We were staying in these tent cabins. cabins. We weren't staying in the plush uh, Awani Lodge. We were off in our own little area. And uh, Todd and Scott went off to go take a shower. I went straight back to the cabin, and that was the last thing I remembered. And uh, is this story going too long? No, you're no, good. This because, is great. Yep. Because uh, okay, eventually so, you get arrested. Yeah, so <laughs> the next thing I know... The next thing I know, there's pounding. I'm in my, I'm in our little cabin, and there's pounding on the door and the window, and I am fast asleep. And so I wake up and I'm like, "What the hell is going on? <laughs> nobody's in the nobody's in the cabin." And I open the I open the door, and it's the you know the rangers, the park rangers, and they bust in, and and uh, you know we've got a pipe and weed laying around, empty beer bottles and stuff like that, and. Uh, you know, they're making note of all that stuff, and, and uh, I, I have no clue. I have completely forgotten, 
everything that happened at, at the Iwani Lodge. It's not, it's not in my consciousness at all. Yeah. So immediately I'm pissed off at Todd and Scott because they're not there, and I'm thinking they just got me in trouble for doing some stupid You're shit. taking the fall. <laughs> yep. Uh, they're dragging me down. <laughs> and uh, so so they, they let me get my, you know, I had long underwear on and a sweatshirt, and they dragged me out, put me in the car, and they dragged me out to this field that's facing the hotel, the Owani Lodge. And so Scott and Todd are already on their knees <laughs> facing, the, facing the building, and they set me down next to the next to Todd and Scott, our handcuffed behind us on our knees facing the building. And the girls, I guess, were up, you know, in a, behind a window identifying us. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> that was the identity. Scott didn't do anything, so he didn't get in any trouble, thank God, because he was... He didn't have to go to jail, so he could arrange, you know, make arrangements for stuff or whatever. But uh, I was so livid at those guys. I'm like, what the hell did you guys do? <laughs> oh, and they're like, they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you did, What did you do, you know? Yeah. And then they said something about the, fu- the fire hose, and it all kind of just came rushing Slapped back. Slapped you across the face, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it all, it, all, it all came back to me. Anyways, we went to jail, and... Uh, me and me and Todd went to jail. So <laughs> to outside, but but uh, Todd got to get out of jail. We pooled all our money, and we had enough to get one of us bailed out. And it turned out that I wasn't going to be able to be bailed out anyways because I had a couple of warrants in San Francisco County that were going to prevent me from getting out of jail. And uh, so I had to talk to my dad, who was very pleased. About yeah, how was Jack? How did Jack handle the news? Oh, there was some names being called. There was. Uh, <laughs> There was some frustration, some anger being voiced in typical Jack Madison fashion. But I, I think I think I could detect a, just a slice of pride yeah. in there. I was about to say, ah. you know he was smiling. He might have been. I think he was. But, but, but mostly mad. Mostly mad. Yeah, because yeah, it was financial. <laughs> Had you gotten away with it, he'd laugh his ass off. Well, I mean, he had to go. You had to go handle warrants and stuff like that, and yeah, all that. I mean, this is the same same father that when you well ran your car off into over a ditch with me and a couple other friends, um, you made an excuse that uh, you had seen some sort of farm animal <laughs> and or a dog. And your dad, if I recall the story, said, "Jim, I don't give a fuck as long as the insurance company believes it." That's right. Do you think your mom will buy it? <laughs> You know, Steve might have swerved off later in life of the road and uh, blamed a deer, uh, yeah, a dog. That's a different story. What? Different time, different guy. We, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we told the same story with the same animal more than once. <laughs> no, we haven't. It was deer, dog, cow. We went all over. Pig. It could have been anything moving. <laughs> Raccoon. It was big though, and it was alive, and it was coming after us. Yep. So I don't. I don't mean to like champion that story, but like. I would have, I would, I've just never been able to get to that point in my life because of the financial thing. I just, there was no money for me to fuck up that bad, and I feel like you sound. It sounds like you're kind of in the same boat, but like, I, I just like, I would have never come out of jail had that been me. <laughs> well, Jim was an apartment complex kid. Now he wasn't. He was a house kid. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. He actually had a house. Jimmy had a house. Yeah. So he wasn't like he was closer to Mark. Okay. DJ stats. Like okay. You and I are apartment complex kids. And, yeah. You know, but J- I wouldn't say he came from money either. Right. Is that fair, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not say we came from money. <laughs> that would be an overcharacterization. 
Okay. Um, I love it. Okay. Thank you for sharing that story. I promise I'm not going to, cause we could do a whole, and we might someday, um, on some of the interesting times we've had. Um, so you and I, as a disclaimer, have known each other since we were what, 13? Yeah. About that. Yep. Met on the 13 year, 13 all-stars, right? That's, I think I was trying to think of when it was that we first met. When was it the 13 year old all-star? I think it was the summer. It was the summer before high school. Like, we knew each other going into high school because of All-Stars. Okay, yeah. I think. right out for the high school baseball team. Well, we made it. Done on that. I can verify that that is the story that the two of you tell every LeBois. Or at least the story Steve tells every LeBois. That's not accurate. I've heard heard that that, uh, origin before. The 13-year-old All-Stars? Yes. Well, I always started with the 13-year-old All-Stars because Channing likes to chime in. You know, he was on the Royal Grandy baseball team, but he was certainly not an All-Star. Is that fair, Jim? (laughs) Well, I mean, one thing that we all three had in common was being fairly overlooked, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. That's I mean, fair. our skills being what they were, I mean, uh, I felt like, uh, and I was new. Remember, I was new here. I, I, I moved here from San Diego, you know, that was my first year playing ball here. And I, uh, for a, from a new guy, and here means the five cities area of the Central Coast, uh, you know, around Pismo Beach. Yep. I moved to Arroyo Grande when I was about... 12, Do you see how he pronounces that? that? First year playing baseball around here, and uh, this place was clannish. This place was very, <laughs> uh, everybody. Everybody who lived here had lived here all their life, and everybody knew each other since you know kindergarten or whatever. Yep. And I was I did not know anybody, and uh, but you guys did. <laughs> not really, Jim. You guys. You if guys you look around, while, but, we didn't. Jim. Yeah. Jim, I knew Paco and Howdy. Uh, I knew, I mean, we were pretty, I was pretty limited. You know, it was, you got introduced to the Paulding folk. So you got to know those, you got to know them. Like, but again, I was a Judkins kid. So it was a whole different world. Um, For those of you in the listening audience, again, Central Coast rivals in uh, junior high. Um, All right. So we've known each other for years. Uh, All-stars, blah, blah, blah. We played, played baseball. So, We've had, we've known each other forever. What was our job, though? We've had a couple jobs. <laughs> so, can you just yeah. name down your 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 first couple jobs? My first job, and I, I can thank uh, young Steve Lipkin for both of my first two jobs. My first job was I was a dishwasher at the Golden Star Cafe in beautiful Pismo Beach, across the street from Harry's. Used to be on Cypress Street. And, uh, also known as, there was the, didn't you give it that? a nick? What was the nickname for that place? Uh, that was Henry Hung's Little Touch of Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Henry Hung was the owner. <laughs> Might have been the greatest. Yeah, still, the, one of the greatest owned, owners. Like you've worked. Okay, again, you've worked in restaurants forever, right? Was 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 Henry not the best? Yeah, Henry was great. Henry was Henry was awesome. People to work for him and his wife May worked their asses off. Uh, Running that place, I think he was a he was an accountant or something in China. And he, he was came over here and ran ran a restaurant. That, and him and him and his wife May raised Kevin and Emmy. I think they lived upstairs from the from the restaurant or in the back room. In the back, something. it was in the back apartment yeah, behind it. In the back, and and uh, I mean, great people to work for. They were you know they cared about the people that worked for them and stuff. It was it was a it was an excellent first job. But washing dishes, and when I say washing dishes, it's you know you've got a soap sink and a rinse sink there's no dishwashing machine uh, yeah 
and, uh, and he mentioned Chinese food and too. all that kind of stuff. Sweet so and sour, was, uh, sweet and sour sauce. I, I, I haven't had sweet and sour sauce. I can't even look at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I could. Okay, I bet I could still peel a bag of snow peas pretty quick. I was pretty good at that too. Between that and flipping cockroaches, uh, <laughs> with, with uh, snap it right out. Uh, how many cockroaches were back there, dude? Yeah, that was good target practice for whipping the yeah the, the dish towels. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was a fun job. And I just want to mention, because uh, I thought uh, what Henry and May did was incredible. Yeah, they escaped, escaped Red China. Uh, they moved to San Francisco and worked like two or three jobs around the clock doing dry cleaning shit that they, you know, to save enough money to buy a little restaurant. And if, I, if I'm correct, didn't like their kids go to UCLA or like, like were yeah. great scholastically? It was all about the kids. Yeah. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, um, they, they, did, they did big things. They, they were... Uh... Well, the poor kids were predestined. To go. They were going to go to some good college. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were pretty determined. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah, the best part about Henry is if this, the waitress didn't tip you out um, because you were a busser slash uh, dishwasher, um, he would tip you out. Like, he would just give you money because yeah, she was she was a bitch. If it was Jody. Jody the me. bitch. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Jody. Jody. <laughs> Fucking Jody. <laughs> she was a bitch, though. Can you say that, Jim? <laughs> Yeah, well, like Julie was the cool one, and Carla was cool, but Jody, Jody wasn't a bitch to me, but she was just cheap. She just was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, dishwashing, and then what did you do uh, after that, kid? Uh, that uh, after Henry's was uh, the golden years, the uh, the days of uh, Miller's Unical and and Pismo Chevron. That was when it all started. You know, it's it, yeah, and. and uh, I did. I worked there for a little while. I got out of the restaurant business uh, for the reasons Jim mentioned, uh, because of Harry. That's who got me in there. Chris, uh, he he knew he knew Sev, and so I got the job. And then because you kind of needed to know somebody back in those days. Remember, Jim? It was like you had to have kind of an inner circle, and uh, yeah. And, and Jim got the hey, this guy can show up, and then oh, fuck, he couldn't balance to save his life. So Kevin used to yell at me for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Kevin. Me and Kevin. I think the one time in, in the years that I worked for him, we had it out one time. Uh, there was money missing. You know, Brad. Brad was ripping that place off, and and I was getting blamed for it. Believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, Brad was so, an alcoholic. I mean, but, but, but Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Uh, you know, he he approached me about it. He's like, you know, almost accused me of stealing from him. And I said, you know, Kev. I go. I, I'm not stealing from you. I'm, I go. If I can't. If I can't balance my drawer and if I can't handle money and if I, you know, if I can't do the basic things that, that you need me to do, then, then I'm no good for this job and I'll quit and walk away and fire me, whatever you need to do, but I'm not stealing from you, you know, bottom line. And, you know, to his credit, he, he believed me. Well, you worked for him for like 10 years, didn't you, dude? Yeah, but I was new then. Yeah, that's true. Well, and that's the right way to do it, though. I mean, just just state your piece, man. And again, you, you opened the podcast with it. You're no good with numbers. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, if anything, yeah. it's just mental math errors. Get off me, bro. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, just as a sort of an aside, I tried working at the gas station high a couple times. Yeah. Like, and, and you want to know how tough it is when it's not that busy and somebody pulls into full serve and they want $5 worth <laughs> and you start pumping and you space off and the next thing you know, there's $25. Yep. Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, dude. <laughs> 
and then you try to make change, and you can't remember how much you put in the drawer and how much you're supposed to take out, and it's an even $5 thing, but you just can't make it work. <laughs> I don't have any pennies for change, bro. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was difficult. It was a difficult thing, and I made it more difficult. <laughs> I know that feeling. Oh, they were fun times. Again, we're gonna do. Uh, well, you know, I want to write a movie about that period. I, it, it was an incredible time. And when he talks about Kev, Kev actually, uh, his brother-in-law is the aforementioned Todd that was uh, part of the uh, the Yosemite uh, duo. Oh, so he. That's how we got introduced to Todd as well. Well, we knew him also through high school. But uh, his brother-in-law is Kev, and Kev actually made. Todd, who was his brother-in-law, um, pay back money that was missing out of a safe because he, he couldn't not accuse him. Is that true, Jim? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, That's how the story went. Yeah. And, uh, and Todd got caught in the, the uh, famed credit card fiasco. Oh, that's and right. And couldn't believe it at first. He's like, no, you got the wrong guy. It couldn't be Todd. But it was Todd. It certainly was. Yeah. yeah not... You guys give him credit cards? Huh? That was some some funny thing. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't remember it all in detail. Uh, yeah, not the credit card scam that Ronnie and I got into. That uh, we had to sprint out of the Santa Maria. Um, mall. That before you got shot at. We went. No, that's we were never shot at. <laughs> that's Ronnie embellishing, but uh, we did run pretty fast. We were scared. I do recall that. Um, because he had lifted cards from a restaurant. Again, another restaurant story. He was. Uh, he got the credit card while he was a busboy at Alex's and uh, we proceeded to purchase sweats and because we were going to uh, play those guys slow and Kevin <laughs> in racquetball we wanted to have matching sweats oh, God. God, yeah dude we showed up <laughs> in those matching sweats and worked the shit out of those old guys and by old guys they were 26 uh, and we were like 16 or 17 at the time nice yeah good times um all right, Jim. So now you're uh, a petroleum dispatch engineer. You've been doing that. Yes. And uh, you go to school to be a teacher. So you, you knocked that out in four or five years? The, the full range, the full <laughs> scope of the uh, post-high school education? Yes, sir. I think I went, if you count the first semester at Cuesta, that was, what, uh, fall of 83, and you take it through to, say... That when I was working on my post-baccalaureate studies that I never completed. So that would be 98-ish. What is that? <laughs> Holy shit. 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> Again, I, I wanted on. to do the math for you. There were breaks. There were breaks in there. There, were, there was a long break, right? Well, yes. I mean, there were, there were years of... You know, the quest years shouldn't count. <laughs> they shouldn't. I mean... Those, those shouldn't count. They're just riddled with incomplete and withdrawals. <laughs> <laughs> you really weren't going to school. No, he got a he no, got a I, he got a D in psychology. I think we had the grade grub for that D. We did, dude. It's the only D I ever got I in college that. without withdrawing. Yeah. It was an eight AM JJ, it was an eight AM psychology class our freshman our first year of college. Like we like we They had, encourage people not to sign up for those classes now. They just tell you, hey, you're a freshman. Don't take Psych 101 at fucking 7.30 in the morning. And Jim can tell you his, the doctor's name, and he could probably speak just like him. Who was that? Gold. Dr. Gold. Dr. Gold. <laughs> he talked in monotone. Yeah. You guys. So I am left-handed, so I am one of the only people in the world in my right mind. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jim, did you and I actually get yelled at in a college class by him? We did. We got yelled at, and um, I think we got like snorted at a few times. Like, we did. We did. We were we we weren't mature enough to be going to college at all on any level. We we weren't ready for that. We weren't prepared to behave ourselves. That's so fair. Yeah, we really weren't. Um, yeah, we we got it just uh, taken to in the middle of the class because we were giggling about. I think you were drawing on your thumb. <laughs> if it wasn't that it was something like that <laughs> okay that was the level of the humor that was going on how did it ever take you 15 years so um we move on uh you're a bartender um talk to us about being a bartender a little bit uh as you know we kind of wanted to talk about uh, we talk about the restaurant business jj and i you know all the history matter of fact god what a great way to start you came out um before I opened up Stubbs and actually gave me a crash course on how to be a bartender. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, that went well, actually. What is, what is that crash? I mean, give me a crash course on the crash course. How, what did that consist of? Well, it wasn't, the way I remember, it wasn't so much bartending. You were pouring beer and wine. It wasn't like, right. you, be, you know, correct. Any, you didn't have to mix drinks or anything, but it was more um, just the operations. You know, it was more, uh, you know, where the tickets go, who picks up the tickets. You still had your, you still had your partner at that time that was going to run the kitchen. <laughs> oh, what a great story, too. <laughs> you got to have to oh, finish. Yeah, you, you, just tell about the whole couple days. Eyes. Please do. They got almost in a fist fight right in front of my face and broke <laughs> up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, we were just going through a dry run of, of uh, you know, the operations of, you know, greeting customers ringing stuff up, where tickets should go, that kind of thing. It was, it was uh, kind of just basic nuts and bolts stuff, but it was, I thought it went really well. It did. And so to help your story along, the reason that um, Tom and I almost got in a fist fight and I had to buy him out, which he yelled over and didn't realize I was going to do it the next morning, but um, it's because we had um, people just loitering that demanded to come in before we were ready to open, but I had just got my beer and wine license, correct? And yeah, what, it was a, it was a like what some people would call a soft opening or dry opening, where where you're not even open for business. You haven't advertised that you're open for business. You're just going to go through the motions, and then there's people trying to get in. And it was Bob, and Stick, Stick and Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, yes, um, they had been ba- they had been walking by while we'd been building out for like you know 60 days, just waiting for this bar to open. Um, and to their credits, they were great regulars. Um, you know, absolutely. So yeah, they came in and they spent money, right? And we rang them up, yeah. and you, you know, we it did was, the tip out, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was kind of busy. <laughs> it really it was, was kind of busy. busy. We had no food; we were just doing beer and wine, and getting the hang of it, and we were kind of excited about it. And then um, Tom comes back and asks for his portion of the tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask where the fight came from, but I got it. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I didn't really want to get in the middle of it i wanted to keep it between i didn't know tom at all and i didn't want to be in the middle of it at all but it was you know jim so in your experience uh does the kitchen keep the tips that the bar makes and so i had to get in the middle of it uh, <laughs> and what did you tell him no they usually don't no they don't no, no sir they don't and i might have mentioned it wasn't socialism um that that's not how it works. Like the people working for tips. Well, I didn't know the thing I didn't know was what agreement you and Tom had between you, because that's not, you know, that's just an industry, you know, standard arrangement. It's not like, you know, you guys are bound to not split the tips. If you guys agreed to split the tips, 
it could go that way, but I didn't know what you and Tom had agreed upon. Obviously, you hadn't talked about it. <laughs> that, that came through pretty quick. As he as he yelled, buy me out, Steve, buy me out. And the next morning, he shows up like ready to work. And I'm like, okay, uh, you're out. <laughs> I'm buying Here's you out. Buy. Here's a check. Get out. Which which Tom is this? You don't even know. It was yeah. Gary Kramer's uh, oh, best friend. Got it. Yeah, who passed away. But yeah, and we hired his daughter. Yeah, you remember. Now that's all linked together. But yeah, uh, bought him out. Got another quick guy in there, a guy of uh, Ray's buddy named Greg, and then had to buy him out because uh, he, he had issues too. Uh, and then Sandy bought in, and that's how he became an investor. So, nice. Yeah, that's how that all worked out. Um, yeah, Jim was awesome. He came in, trained us, you know, kind of on the bar operations like you talked about. And you've been doing it forever. And, and um, in corporate, you've been pretty much corporate forever, right? Well, corporate, definitely Fridays was obviously corporate. And then, you know, where I'm at now, it's like, they, you know, just a little uh, private nose. It's very, very much more private owned. <laughs> small, small timer. And, uh, and, and you don't have to mention their name. But, I will not mention not their name. it's not just like a corner bar small time. It's, you know, it's, it's a big operation, there. but it's private. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but they run it like a small time operation. Is that fair, Jim? Yeah, they do. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's stunning how small time it is. Sort of willy nilly, like, like in what way? No, um, just in—I I mean, this completely just in comparison to how the uh, corporate arrangement was. Uh, you've got even you know, decisions are not make, made um, by some cor- central corporate decision-making force. It's by you know uh, a lot of the decisions are made by somebody that's worked there for a couple of years and has limited experience and. And they go with that, and then if there's problems, they get kicked up to the general manager, who, who kind of pretty much knows what he's doing. And but uh, that's the decision-making process, and you can tell the difference. Yeah, you could probably, you probably, uh, you being there as long as you've been, you probably get the ebbs and flows of that new person that shows up, and they're going to do it this way because they force their will on the on the manager. And then, and then two years later, you know, that process or whatever, that idea, that decision really wasn't a decision. It was just this person. They're no longer there. And now you guys are doing something else. Yeah, you see it all. I mean, we, there's there's some turnover, like in, you know, just like in the corporate area, uh, yeah. arena, there was a lot of turnover with management there too. But, you know, you see that, you do see a lot of that. You see all different kinds of, you know, and it's funny, you, you, you see them coming, you work with them for about two weeks and you can kind of plot out how it's going to go for <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys struggle finding bodies like uh, replacement Pardon? bodies bartenders servers cooks where I'm working at is right now I mean me and Bill my partner that I work with we, he's been there a couple of years longer than me and we don't have, we haven't hired a bartender from outside the uh, organization for I was the last one that's that huge 16 or 17 years ago isn't that crazy yeah, I though? Like that. I really, I really prefer uh, what we, you know, where I'm working now to the corporate thing. Yeah, I think professional bartenders or professionals in in the restaurant world would all prefer that. I mean, that that's the way to do it. You have some continuity and, and a stable base to build your restaurant around. Yeah, it's, it, and it's more, you know, with the it's give and take with everything. I mean, you've got the, the positive and negatives between the the corporate and the private, but um, the more the more the closer you are. To the people that are making the decisions, the better it is, I think. For sure, it's 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 a weird place. I mean, it's gorgeous. Like it, it's the nicest spot you'll find on the California coast. And 
It's almost like they don't want to make money. I've told you that before, Jim. It's just as my appearance, like I, I could make so much more money there. Yeah, I mean, it, I, anybody can sit there and pick apart where they work and you know whatever. I, right. I've done it many times, but uh, you know, it's been it's been a great job, and and uh, you know they're doing something right. Well, that's but, true. You know, there's always times where I'd be like, where I feel like I would do something different, but I guess that's any place you work. So, so let's let's shift the emphasis from the business itself. But like, what's your favorite part of a Friday night? <laughs> do you have one? Walking out. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> <say. laughs> remember how do you remember how we started the podcast? Oh yeah. What was he talking about? He was talking about being in the public and dealing like. Yeah, I know. Do, it's the worst of the worst. That's why you know I asked that. the question. Yeah. I, that used to be my favorite yeah. part. We were all a Friday night guy, but he's been doing it a hell of a lot longer. Oh, yeah, kudos to you, by the way. My hat's off. And and just to share with the audience, you've been doing it sober for twenty five years, correct? Yeah, I have. So I think it's twenty five. It might even be yeah. Might be longer, right? Might be longer. I can't remember when I quit drinking. Tania can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a close friend, it it was uh, the best thing that you could have done. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I I I just uh, I, I couldn't have kept going that way. I, I envy people. I envy people that can have a drink and then not care whether they have another one or not. <laughs> yeah, Jim used to get after it. It was uh, if you have one, you've got uh, thirty-seven of them. <laughs> yeah. It's not it, the party's not just one and done. It, yeah. it was we go. And, you know, I trip out on I trip out on the mindset uh, where, you know, I I know that I still if I drink, it's like that's what I'm doing. That if I have a drink, well, then that's what I'm doing from here on out. It's drinking gym from here on out. Yeah. You know, I've told you selfishly, I miss a couple aspects of drinking gym and, and, and because <laughs> <laughs> and we do a video of it so that there is things etched in memory um, and time. But uh, you, you sing every lyric to every song when you're hammered. Um, yeah. Without question, you know every fucking lyric to every song. It was always just amazing. Yeah. It was a gift. <laughs> it was a I'm, gift. And then um, I don't know very how your name got. Um, your name got thrown in, and I apologize. It was me throwing you under the bus. It's kind of maybe a shitty driver uh, in your past. Uh, but I'm still not that good of a driver. <laughs> I was gonna say I am a little worried if you're driving around right now while you're talking to us. I feel like it might be too much for you. No, I'm still in the parking lot of the post office. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing suspicious there. <laughs> if we keep him on the line long enough, he should be he should be escorted off of the premises. <laughs> no time. <laughs> They're watching me. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, sober. Uh, yeah, you had a couple bouts, uh, but you're driving. Um, I remember the, the most scared I've ever been in my entire fucking life um, was coming back from an A's game. You and Zania... Uh, up front, me in the back, and I think it was just before you broke your leg. After, like, no, you... that, I, that, I remember. I know the exact game you're talking about. Talk about it. I remember that. I remember. I remember. I was drinking at that game. Oh, I know, bro. <laughs> the drive home was frightening yeah, for me because you guys were singing and playing with the radio, and I'm in the back just shitting myself the entire time. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that Sneha was driving, not me, because I didn't have a license at that time. <laughs> not that that would normally stop me from driving. But, you know, I think it was Sneha. Uh, but she yeah, was, was back in her drinking before. days, too, right? 
yeah. Yeah. But you okay? So you had a broken leg. Like, didn't you fall down the steps? Yeah, at, my at, leg was in a cast. Yeah. It, it was after I got in the car wreck, and I was my 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 leg was my right leg was in a cast. And I don't know if you remember this, but we were sitting we were sitting in maybe not the worst seats, but we were in in the upper deck. Yeah, uh, down the third base line, right? Uh, not yeah. the bleachers, but just and, the, uh, on the other side of them. And I start going down, down the uh, aisle, down the stair, down the steps, on my crutches, which going upstairs on crutches is pretty cool. That's not a problem. No, that's easy. But, but going downstairs on crutches a little trickier. with a few beers in you was turned into be a little bit more than I could navigate. And I started building up speed, and it was like a... Uh. The, the clutch, the, the clutches are doing you know circles at my sides, and I'm and uh, I got down to the rail. I got like the rail that would have flipped. I could have flipped over the rail and landed on the lower deck. <laughs> actually, I caught myself, and uh, to the to the cheers of the of the, of the section of the 40, 46 people out there. And for our listening audience, people. That you're you're a pretty athletic, dude. So that's saying something. If if you were in question of going over that rail, like, he was going, dude. Yeah, yeah. It was close. It was it was probably for a while. I thought it might just. I was that was it. That was it. I broke my cast on that one. I ended up cracking my cast. <laughs> and uh, somebody, else, I think I think we left because I was smoking cigarettes at the time too. And California's got these pesky laws about you can't smoke in public places even back then. Which I thought was absurd because it's a wide open stadium. I didn't know why. It's, it seems a bit absurd. It is kind of actually absurd. Um, as a non smoker, I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I'm glad those I'm glad those laws are in place now. I hate smoking. Yeah, yeah. I do too. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a little stringent. But the beauty of it is, it didn't damper him, right? So he nearly goes over the rail, breaks his cast, tells you all that, right? You think, fuck, dude, okay. Now let's you just go, get you, home. Yeah, you fast forward. They're giggling and singing, <laughs> and, and just having the best time. But not it's like bumper. It's like it's stop and go traffic. I don't know how many times we nearly either rear-ended somebody or just like the the fright. I, I it was just scary for me. That's all. I just wanted to share that. Sunia grew up there. She knew that traffic. That was probably the saving grace. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> um, I I. I I shared one story recently with uh, Jay that I, d- I just want you to elaborate on too. It's just a quick one, but um, talk to me about a New Year's Eve where uh, we were all sharing a house together in San Bruno, but uh, Chan and myself, that most of the roommates bailed on a New Year's Eve. We went down to Todd's. <laughs> Is that accurate? Yeah, well, Channing was supposed to be gone too. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. was. He was. was he, they were with us, and then him and his gal left. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody was supposed to be gone. I mean, I made clear that was clear in my head that everybody was <laughs> out. And so, yeah, I, I figured, shoot, we got the house to ourselves, and there's a fireplace, and out in the living room, and put a little put a little uh, alley rug down there in front of the fireplace, and kick up the fire, and me and Tania are out there on a New Year's Eve celebrating the New Year in, and here comes Channing into the room. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Did, no. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Kind of spoiled it. No, and did, did what did he what did he ask you? <laughs> he just said, "Happy New Year, guys." Oh, oh, I thought he said, "Are you two doing it?" 
Oh no, that was that was Randy that I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> My brother, wait, wait, he was the one that asked if you two were doing it. He walked in on you guys too. Yeah, that was in our room though. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> no privacy there. He walked into your room. Whoa. He just pounded on the door. I mean, <laughs> you guys doing it? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. He knew we were. <laughs> and he knew we were. Um, okay, yeah, we all live, as Jay knows, uh, five of us live together in a house in San Bruno for two solid years. And the stories, like, again, that's a whole other episode um, of, of good times. Um, but yeah, 25 years sober, bartender. Um, what were you doing this morning uh, that was so, had you so tied up? Uh, this morning I had to go surfing. Had to. Had to. So, um, You've been surfing for 40 years? No, almost, right? Again, the math is kind of close to that, yeah. Um, Probably from when I was 16 or 17. I respect that because it's a very hard sport. I mean, what do you love about it and what um, isn't it? Like, I find it difficult, but uh, talk to me about it. Well, I mean, it's definitely a hard sport sport to, uh, to pick up. It's very difficult in the beginning. But uh, but uh, what I love about it is it's very hard to say what I love about it without sounding like a total idiot. Do it. You know, uh, it's like feeling one with the nation. Right? <laughs> you don't have you to say there it. And it's you, like you in the waves, and it's, it's just it's serenity, bro. It's like it's amazing. I don't want to sound like that, but it's kind of like that. But that's, that's yeah. the truth. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy because the whole soul surfer thing is much bullshit. But, um, but it, it, it's just uh, something that, without sounding like an idiot, it's hard to explain. No, I, I respect that because I, you know, I've done it enough times. I hated it um, because I, I have a tremendous fear of sharks. You seem to just <laughs> yeah. dis- well. Plus, if you don't get if you don't get past the getting your ass kicked, <sighs> trying to get out, dude. Uh, you, you know, you don't learn to duck dive. You know, yeah. you're learning to actually ride waves is like it, it that that's like down the down the ladder a little bit. You know, you don't go, you don't get to that part right away. You got to figure out how to not get your ass handed to you. And, the and wh- then after you get past that and you start riding waves, then it starts getting really fun. And and then uh, once once you've done it to that point and you like it, I mean, it's just there's you just it's addicting. Yeah, I never got there. Um, the water was extremely cold. I had to borrow booties and everything else and yeah i just uh yeah. you know it was would just you, would you sure. so i equate i equate this to my hobby and and it's not fair to you and surfing but fly fishing there's all this bullshit learning how to tie knots learning how to cast like learning how not to hook yourself in the back of the head but once you actually do that like catching a fish is actually just kind of like what your like what your end goal is it's the it's the last 10 percent of the actual activity but like riding a wave, like the intense amount of focus, right? Like that, that's, that's your entire goal. It's what you're being consumed by at the time, right? Like that's part of the reward system. Totally. And it's funny. I bet there's a lot of parallels between those two sports, but the actual riding, it's funny because there's a whole, just riding a wave is a, that, that is a total reward unto itself. But the whole experience of paddling out, being out in the water, um, you know, sitting out there with buddies, you know, you're out there for a couple hours, you probably spend, you know, two minutes riding waves. Right, right. But but it ends up being the whole experience. And I learned this, I just recently had, well, last year I had a, a hip replacement. So 
I was faced with the fact, you know, the possibility that I wasn't going to be able to surf anymore. Ended up not being true, but I thought about it for a little bit. And when I got back out in the water after that, uh, the, my appreciation of the parts of surfing that I used to think I hated, the paddling out, the, all the work and all that stuff, yeah. the stuff that I used to consider to be work and the, the grind part of it, just the, the cost of doing business stuff, I actually like that part too. Yeah, I actually really love the whole thing now. So, and and with with fly fishing, it's probably the same thing. And I'll ask you if you have after after a day of fly fishing, when you're done and you go home, are you stoked like for the rest of the day? Oh yeah, no lasting effect. Oh for sure. I mean, really, the whole weekend, right? Like I, I got out and yeah. did what I love, and like nothing nothing's knocking me down now. Like I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. It's, it's got a lasting effect that goes that. that it lasts, you know, quite a while after you're out in the water. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I want to uh, surfing is one of those things that I do want to try in my in my lifetime. Uh, but I, 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 Steve's told me how hard it is. So, do you have any do you have any advice for yeah, like let me the guy in, that though. goes to Hawaii and yeah. tries to surf? Is that is that a, an experience you should take away from, or should you commit like a week or two weeks to uh, it? I'm gonna jump in. Uh, Jim, tr- he he showed both my kids how to surf, and he got them both to stand up. Within like, I mean, it wasn't much, but it was, he got them both to stand up. Jim's very patient as a teacher. I mean, you can learn from other people. Like, I want you to go out to the Central Coast. I want Jimmy to teach you or Drew to teach you. That would be awesome. You know, one of those guys to show you. But uh, Absolutely. And what's funny is when you're 16 or 17, like I, I fell in with, uh, like I was friends with Rick, Rick Wozni, who was friends with these other guys who I ended up being lifelong friends with, who I first started surfing with, and they had been surfing for a while before I started. And to me, they were basically all pros, it seemed like, because they could all, you know, they could all surf good. But I was just beginning. And at that age, with a bunch of guys, you don't get a ton of help. I mean, no. you don't get, there, nobody's taking you really under their yeah. wing. You know, they don't want you to get hurt, and they don't want you, they're not trying to fuck you over or anything. But figure it but, out. But, but you're on your own, kind of. Not, that was my help. you on your own. If you got a question, they'll answer it and stuff. They're not out to screw you over. Right. But, you know, you got to figure a lot of stuff out on your own. Yeah. And there's some things that make it easier if somebody tells you. <laughs> you can shorten the learning curve by just a couple little things. I mean, it can't, you know, nobody's going to be able to surf for you, but, you know, there's a couple things that can make the learning curve a little bit easier. Yeah, it was awesome how you, you taught my kids. And, and that's why I was so discouraged for, with surfing was, A, it was, the water was cold, and, and we went in the winter, and then it had to be early right. mornings. We went at the wrong time. Yeah. I, would, I would advise people never to do... <laughs> That's the only time I was taken out. Frozen, go cold, miserable water. You take a beating in cold yeah. water, and it's not. I don't know how you could, how you could translate that to, into any kind of fun. It wasn't, and nobody, nobody ever showed me how to really like push up on a board. Like I watched you work with the kids, and it was awesome. It's like, wow, that would have been kind of cool. Um, but no, it was like here, here's a booties. I can get you a, a board. And we'll go out and let's just go do this, man. And it was miserable. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate the fact that you, you took the time. And the thing I was going to mention, and, you know, when you're talking about all-in-one and the nature. Well, I remember when you last time you had the kids out there, um, when Savannah and Spencer were both out there, there were dolphins playing right behind them oh, as yeah. they're surfing. I mean, I love that. Right. That's I mean, so it, cool. that is as cool as it fucking gets. Is you, There's you, whales right now. Oh, whales dude. Out there. How cool is that? Jumping, breaching. They're pretty, they're in pretty close. You're not right next to them, but I mean you can see them clearly. And you, dolphins are always swimming right by you. There's otter out there today. It's cool, man. I love that. 
That is awesome. Do you ever watch Shark Week? He doesn't believe that sharks, sharks are made attack. Up. Yeah. Shark, <laughs> sharks are made up. Smoking like a true server. I love that. Okay, so that's a lie. Okay, and he knows it because, okay, what about Todd, the aforementioned Todd? Did he or did he not see a great white chase him in? I don't know about that story. Is that the... Is that the Indonesia story? No, no, no. That was in, in, in Pismo where he he was out by himself and he had seen that great white and he talked about how it the when it came up, it was chasing a seal. You, you, you've got to remember that story. Yeah, I don't know. I probably blacked it out. You have. Mind. You have. You've I, repressed I, that. I don't. I don't. I don't they have shark sightings shark all the story. time where, where he surfs. Okay, the, there's a bottom line. It's called Red Triangle. It, they have sharks everywhere. When I took the time before, when it was Savannah and I, the first time when he showed her how to surf, and I think I've shared this. First of all, I made her watch Jaws the night before. Which is a pretty shitty thing as a parent, I admit it. It's but a I, really shitty thing as a parent. <laughs> so I made her watch Jaws. Yeah, thank you. And uh, she's yeah. Uh, and then you and I still have to put us up at the uh, you know where you work. So I remember we were walking out that next morning, and they had uh, a sign that said shark sightings. And you've seen that sign, I'm sure, numerous times, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I didn't. Sh- I, she did not see it because I knew she was going to go surfing with you later that day. I didn't share that with her. Um, I saw it and did not at least point it. I was going to, and I thought, no, don't do that. Um, and uh, then I showed it to her afterwards. <laughs> you were swimming around with sharks. Do you have any idea what you were doing out there? Um, but to their credit, they, they don't fear sharks like I do, Jim. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I just black them out. I don't, I don't, you know, I definitely would. I would be afraid of one if I saw one. I know that. But I just don't think about it. And you've still never seen one, though. No, I did see one one time when I was out with Mike Davis in Oceano. I saw one that was between me and him. and But it was just cruising along, and I don't know what kind of shark it was, but it was definitely a shark. And uh, I was like, he didn't believe me. Mike didn't believe me. I'm like, let's go in. <laughs> I, I busted my ass and went in, and, and uh, he stayed out there. That's the proper I, response. Just cruising. It was, yeah, I was out of there. Uh, I've got a question too. So, uh, do you ever go surf with like Drew? If, if you ever visited Drew, or has he come down? And and what's it like surfing new water? Do you pretty much just surf in the one place? No, I've surfed with Drew many times. Have you? Uh, mostly, mostly around here. I have never surfed with him up north where he's where he lives. But when I lived in the when I lived in the Bay Area, he visited me a couple times. We surfed up in in uh, at Ocean Beach and in San Francisco and stuff. That was that was. Uh, you know, new territory for me when I when I moved up there, learning all the spots up there. Lived up there for about a dozen years and Ocean Beach mostly, mostly and Pacifica and Montera and those places. What you didn't do, Mavericks? No, that's out of my league. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even pretend. I don't even pretend to want to do that. What that's just. I, I I'm still. You know, it's funny. I talk to you about how I didn't like surfing, but I'm still fascinated. You know, when like Drew posts or, or you post. You know, like some of the World Surfing League. I get. I get fucking hooked on that stuff. I, I can watch those guys forever with much respect because I know how hard it is. And the guys tackling it, the big mind waves. Blowing. It's mind-blowing what those guys are doing now. Right? I get butterflies watching some of the waves they drop in on. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's how not, do you it's drop not in? Because I don't even want it. I don't, <laughs> want, it. I don't no. even want it. It's an 80-foot face. Why would you drop into that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, somebody... You, that. You could easily die. I mean, I mean, it's not even like the chances are small. You, could you should die. die. On a lot of those waves. You yeah. should die. I mean, I, I felt like I was dying at Morro Bay, okay? 
and it was probably right. it was probably a four footer. <laughs> no, like exactly. Right, I'm telling you, Jay. Like, uh, Yo, when you get stuck under there, I can't. I don't know if I have it in me to remain calm when you're under the wash or whatever. Yeah. Oh, right? you're in the wash. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're, you're dead. Yeah, you just go with it. So I, I told you this. Spencer was telling me how the waves were like. 12 feet in San Diego and he was body surfing. I'm like, go, go fuck yourself, kid. There's, <laughs> I, I, I know they're not that big. I said, so it seems that big. I said, maybe they were six footers or five footers, right? Jim, how big is a 10 it's or 12 like foot fishing. wave? It's like fishing. Everybody exaggerates. Yeah. But I mean, how big is a 10 foot wave? It's huge. It's bigger than, big, bigger than your son has surfed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, head high feels huge, right? Yeah, head highs, head highs, has some, you know, yeah. Do you see that, Jay? dropping, yeah, You get, you get into the jargon. head and a half and, and over, and it's like, yeah, you, you can, yeah, that's got some size. You notice. Yeah. So is, is head high when you're standing on your board or when you're sitting on your board? Or what is the head high head expression? High, it's, it's all a very vague scale. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a subjective scale. What, what you... The foot, the foot thing, like two is it two foot? Is it four foot? That's it, completely useless. It is. Everybody, so head high is a you know that kind of a scale is actually kind of useful because if you're talking to somebody who is on a head high wave, you can kind of you figure they're talking about the face of the wave being around head high. It's about a you know five foot face or a six foot face wave. Perfect. That's that's useful information. You can you can kind of gauge what it really is by that if they're being honest. So was it blowing left to right today? Oh, Steven. <laughs> were, were the conditions Steven, mushy? Steven, Steven. Was it mushy out there? <laughs> were there any uh, were there any kooks? The were there any let's kooks? The whole right? Get it all out of your system. What, what is a kook, Jim? Describe a kook. Like Jim Rome talks about kooks as being like the worst thing because he's a he's a Cali kid too, right? So I have it ident- what is a kook in your um vocabulary? Being a kook has nothing to do with how well you surf. Not at you all. You can you can you you can not know how to surf and be out there and be respectful and just be learning or whatever. Uh, you're floundering around. You're just trying. That there's nothing kookish about that. Being a kook is being an asshole or an idiot. Basically, it just translates into that. Yep. And there's certain ways you can be an asshole or an idiot in the water that makes you a kook. <laughs> but you never want to be labeled a kook, right? Especially in the surfing uh, community. If you're a kook and, and no. you're labeled as such, you, you don't. You don't shed that very easily, do you? You don't want to be a kook. You just don't want to be known as a kook. And all you got to do is be respectful of the people around you, and you're not ever going to be a kook. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter how well you surf. I've been surfing for, you know, as long as I, however long I've been surfing. <laughs> the I math just threw him off. Did you hear that, Jay? Did you see how he whatever stopped? Whatever number that is. <laughs> whatever number of years that is. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm not close to like being like a you know, excellent surfer or anything like that. And I don't think it matters as long as you know how to get along with people, you know how to be respectful and follow the etiquette in the water and that kind of stuff. That's all you got to do, and, and then you're fine. Isn't that kind of a microcosm of life? For sure. It is. Right? Yeah. Just handle your business. If you know how to get along. If you know how to get along with people, you're going to be fine. It doesn't matter what country you're in or where you're at. Uh, can I shift gears a little bit? I've been, uh, I've been reading Backwards K. Uh, which is oh, a, a project that Steve and Jim have been working on. 
uh, and I'll let them talk a little bit more about it. And this could be a, actually an entire podcast in itself. But I want to talk to you, just tie in the English degree, right? Like you're putting that to work. I like it. Um, but also one of my favorite scenes is with the bartender uh, when the waitress orders the red wine and the white wine. And he sets them up there and she goes, which one's which? And the bartender says, take you to the table and let them figure it out. Yeah. I'll let you, you You know where we came up with that We just added that Which I appreciate you it, it, It's because I saw Jim do it With one of his servers When I was there That's the real life thing that happened It, it did the, the guy's like He looks like cause, And again I used to do this to your wife With Guinness and Bud Light right? Yes. So yeah Jim does it This guy walks up And I think it was a bottle of Heineken And, a, and a, maybe a, a rosé And he's like Which one's which <laughs> And Jim of course Just plays right in He goes I don't know you know, let's look, let's look them over, you know, and they kind of go back and forth. And I'm like, I watch the whole thing and it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's, it's what you do because you're kind of bored. You, 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 right. I mean, you do it out. Of, it, it makes the job bearable. Oh yeah. Plus I'm in, I, I'm, I'm sarcastic most of the time anyways. Really? No. I know you would, you wouldn't know that part about me, but. <laughs> okay. So I'll let Jim, um, you asked Jim the question about backwards case. So I'll let him, him talk about it. What's that project been like? Yeah. It's a blast. I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's funny because you, I'm sure Steve has had some similar uh, discoveries about the writing process and the idea generation process and the um, evolution of a story and all that kind of stuff. It's all super, it's just very, I love it. Very uh, fulfilling. And, it, you know, the, the expression of ideas and stuff like that is just, uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I noticed, you know, how me and Steve work together as a team. I'm more of a guy who can work with an idea, but I wouldn't call myself somebody that is very good at generating original ideas to work from. Yeah, and Steve doesn't so, shut the fuck up, so he's really good for that. Yeah, Steve, Steve it really fits into Steve's, you know, we have a complimentary <laughs> skill set there because it really fits into Steve's... Uh, you know, I have an idea, and I want you to do the work. Uh, right. I want you to carry this through. All you right. fucking I, I do like to delegate. <laughs> <laughs> but Okay, and that's fair. But he's right. I'm an idea guy. To your benefit. Feed the mayonnaise directly to the tuna. That's right. I'm that's an idea right. guy. Through <laughs> <laughs> right. my complimentary drink in his face. Um, <laughs> and if you're paying attention, see, JJ's laughing. I don't even think he knows what movie that's I from. don't. Uh, but I think it's hilarious, and it's we actually used some of that movie. I think a couple, two or three different times in in ours. But um, yeah, so yeah, Jim. But you, you're also a much better writer. Like so, that's why I came to you. I had this kind of vague idea um, about something I'd, I'd thought about for ten years, and uh, I I'm not a good enough writer to put it all in the way I want to. And Jim's and I amazing I writer. A, I am a document producer. I I, I can go off and. Uh, flesh out ideas by writing them out and produce volumes, volumes of mostly throwaway stuff just to get get out what you know work through ideas and and flesh stuff out. But that's what and it takes. That, that's that that's my process, and that and and I enjoy that. I, I, it's not uh, that's that's the only way I know how to do it, and I like doing it that way. How how often do you write? Do you write on a regular basis? When I was you know. When we've been through this process of writing, yeah, I was pumping pumping out writing. And me and Todd Hogue and Chris Jones had a project before that, and I've been a journal writer in the past, and I've written uh, 
I've written articles for blogs and stuff like that before. I've done, you know, little projects here and there. But if I don't have a project, I'm not very disciplined about just sitting down and writing. I okay. wish I was. Okay. No, and and the project's been, <clears throat> for me, just a blast, like Jim said. It's, it's uh, shit, we've been doing it, I think, three years um, now. But uh, it two guys have never written anything as far as a movie ever. You know, it's just kind of blindly feeling ourselves through it. But um, And time flies. I mean, it's like you can't believe the time that goes by. When you look back at when we started, it's it's just hard to believe that, that uh, like that time we, you know, we worked on it down in Santa Barbara. That's two years ago, three right? years ago. Yeah, yeah. Just that's crazy. By. I know. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's a fun, as, you know, not to speak for Jim, but uh, we both pretty much said it. We've written it for our enjoyment and we enjoy it and if other people do great you know that that's that would be wonderful but um it still makes me giggle and uh and jim writes the dialogue that, that most of that stuff's all his so he's he's selling himself short he eats well i mean it but but that's part of the thing too is it wouldn't really work i don't know i don't know how other teams work on writing you know team, writing teams work but if if you if you wrote some of the scenes and I wrote some of the scenes, there's no way that we would both have a consistent voice yeah. for these characters. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things where it would be. I don't. I don't. I just don't see how that could work. Yeah, but we did that. Don't tell anybody. There are a couple scenes where I've written the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like the scenes that you wrote, the scenes that you wrote are. Uh, I couldn't go in and, and uh, write part of those scenes and just fill in spaces because it would completely change the whole thing. Yeah, right. sure. Yeah. J- just in tone or voice. I mean, I'm not saying I wrote the whole thing. I'm just saying that yeah. the scenes that and the dialogue that one writer writes is in a certain voice that somebody else is just going to be a little off. And I don't know if anybody else that would read it would even notice, but I know I would notice. I, I have my guesses, but I but I don't I, I don't think it's distinguishable. Uh, I do think that the the transformation of the of the manuscript uh, has been a huge step in like it's a coherent piece now. Uh, yeah, and it's much more engaging from start to finish. Um, yeah, so I I, I really like the progress. Yeah, and we you know we we actually <laughs> it's like if you took a writing class or a, or a classes that, I, that reminds me of classes in English except for on a far longer time scale. But, you know, you do that, you sit down and you do uh, group editing where, you know, people people read what you wrote and they give you feedback on it and stuff like that. We've sent this out to many readers, you know, well, not many, but a handful of readers that have given us some feedback and we work off of that. And it's, it's productive, um, constructive uh, criticism. And we add that into what we do. So, you know, some of it's useful, some of it we don't agree with and don't use it. But, uh, you know, and then you go and revise. But revision is a huge part of any process. There's n- nobody sits down and writes writes anything and it's complete and perfect the first time around i don't even think pros do that no there's no way yeah absolutely not it's been a fun fun process man it really has um how much time what are we how are we doing how are you doing on time jim i'm i'm all right i got another i got time cool um go ahead jay i was just gonna say uh what is up with the CBS app? I think you're beating my ass uh, this week. That's so and funny. I was just baseball. thinking we talked about fantasy baseball. <laughs> and, and we're going to lose the entire audience. I know. The, the only I three know. of us care about this, and only six of them well, listen the to this. Well, the thing is, I don't know. Are, am I playing you right now? Or you are. You? No, you are. So so you were the benefit of my – you got the benefit of my illegal lineup. That's what I thought. I saw a whole yeah. bunch of points not being yeah. registered. It's okay. He can fix that. 
he does I that can, on the backside. I was waiting. I was waiting for yeah. the adjuster to kick in. Yeah, that's what happens, man. <laughs> Young Steve benefited from the same thing a couple of weeks ago. I did. What? Yeah, he had a yeah. he had a he was beating me, and then he fucked up somehow. I mean, it, it's not it's not our fault that he's well, not paying up, attention. I picked up a way. I made a waiver claim, and the waiver claim made oh. my lineup illegal, dude. And and then for so I had an illegal lineup for that day. And being and the commissioner, and, you can't. You don't want to fudge that. You don't want to be the guy that's always going back and adjusting his scores, right? I just, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Okay, can I've I, done it for other teams, but I don't, I'm not just going to go fix that for myself. Like, you know. So can I ask you a question? Um, I'm just going to call yeah. him D. He's a commissioner of some other leagues you've played in, myself as well. Would he have done that? D. Mm-hmm. You play <laughs> golf league. with him. Oh. Oh no. No, he, he might take a little bit more latitude. <laughs> <laughs> you mean cheat. Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, no, yeah, Jim's been a commissioner of our fantasy uh, league for, it's got to be 13, 14 years, give or take, right? Yeah, I mean, it, believe too. It's been awesome, and it's kind of a Stubbs thing, too, because there are guys, um, Ryan and I think one other, that were – Stubbs regulars way back when, and I haven't seen Johnny these K. guys. Big Tim. Yep, and and uh, but like this other dude, I haven't seen in fifteen years. You know, since we started the league, quite frankly. But he's been a regular. Um, it's a fun league, right? I love that. Yeah, I league. love how it's set up. Yeah. I, I ripped off the whole setup from another league I was in before that, but it's perfect. I love it. And it's been bequeathed, like teams have been bequeathed to other, like my son's got a team that's been handed down a couple times for others that weren't very good. Um, Jay. Did he get Channing's team? He did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also uh, Schneider's team, right? So that, that one yeah. suffered some blows. And then, of course, Jay inherited um, the best, what I still say is the best name we've had in the league, uh, the Morningwood Sluggers. Um, and that was pretty horribly run franchise wayne if you ever listen to this i'm sorry dude god love him yeah god love wayne. well actually wayne's gonna be a guest uh on this show yes good oh he'll be great don't you think he'd be good jim oh yeah yeah he'll be great <laughs> as oh, you have wayne been out. as you have been um all right fantasy baseball yeah well uh, so fantasy baseball is one thing but jim i think you're the only other individual that i know that openly listens to baseball games through that mlb app because I like to listen to fucking baseball games. Like, I enjoy listening to other announcers for other teams. Yeah, me too. God, me too. It, my, I, thought, I don't know if you saw that, but my, my new out-of-town favorite is the Cleveland guy. Oh, is it? He's awesome. I haven't listened to a Cleveland game. The radio guy? Throw that on. The radio dude? The radio guy, yeah. Radio play-by-play. Hamilton, I think, is the last dude, name. Dude, you know who? Which, he's been there forever. It's his son, Hamilton, that's the Reds guy. No, it's the, it's the Cleveland guy. It might no, not no, be no. Hamilton. I don't know. I okay. No, no, no. It might be. What I'm saying is, yeah, I, I believe old man Hamilton's been there forever. He's awesome. Yeah. And then as I listen to broadcasts on out-of-town uh, out games, uh, there's nobody better than – there's no broadcast better than the Giants broadcast. Really? That is the best broadcast. You're talking about – yep. yeah, you're talking about when – but Kruko's not there anymore, right? Kruko and Kuiper are there, but John thought, Miller's the guy. Yeah, okay. I thought Kruko was taking time off due to all the shit he's going through. Oh, he might. They're, I think they're TV mostly. They are TV. You're talking about radio and John Miller? Radio. Yeah, I'm talking about the radio guy. Yeah, John. Yeah, I John, mean, John, John Miller's as good as anybody who's ever done it, I think. And he does a great Vin Scully impression. I, I know you respect that. <laughs> he does. He does. I wanted to hate him for so long. 
<laughs> Jim's a Dodger guy just, through and through. He's just good. Yeah, through and through Dodger guy. And would I be um, wrong to say that you like listening to baseball games because you grew up listening with your old man? That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. us playing darts in the garage uh, yeah. with Uno Ojo um, and throwing darts and listening yeah, no, to Dodger games. The whole time when I was a kid, I mean, my dad would be out in the in the garage working on his fishing gear, and we'd put the game on and sit there and listen to the whole game go by. Yeah, he he Vince was Gully and Jerry Doggett back in the day. Jack was the best, and he was a fishing fiend, not not a fly fish, but he was a deep sea, deep and, sea, yeah, uh, leisure only, or was there some commercial side of it? No, I'll I'll just leisure. Oh, okay, nice. but super hardcore, just as hardcore as you can get. Yeah, <laughs> like every weekend, every day off he oh. had, he was on the water. Oh yeah, yeah. If he wasn't fishing, he was thinking about fishing. Yeah, trying to get back out there. He had boats and went on the party boats and just fished all the time. Nice. Jack was the best. Yeah. He uh, had his own jig business. He started making jigs after hey, he hey, retired. Hey, 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 yeah. Hey, hey. You say you said yeah, jig, so right? He, I said jig. Okay. Jack's jigs. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't let him. He, that's what he wanted to have. That as his uh, license plate. Jack's jigs, and they wouldn't let him have it. So, <laughs> so what did he go with? I don't remember. Yeah, you do. How well, come, he had Uno Ho. Yeah. Uno was, was Uno his Ho license plate. Jack's Jigs. Oh, it was? What? Yeah. Yeah, his license Jack's plate was, was Uno Ho. Jack's Jigs was, uh, when he had Jack's Jigs, he was making he was making Jack's Jigs until he died. Okay, I, I do recall that. But yeah, Uno Ho, uh, for those that don't speak Spanish, means one eye. And uh, Jack had one eye. Uh, he would pull it out and polish it. Uh, and he thought that was the funniest fucking thing when, like, when newcomers would come over. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time I got exposed to it. Um, yep. Yep. And uh, old Jack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his boat was in Ojo. Yep. Fond memories. But, yeah, it was listening to baseball in the garage, man, uh, playing darts. Yep, I love it. I still love it. So Jim showed me how to play darts for the first time. Oh, nice. Uh, have I ever shared this with you at LeBois? Uh <laughs> We were, I took the bus home because he had to take the bus home. Um, and we, we, we rode it up to a stop and we get there and he shows me how to play 301 for the first time. I proceed to beat him. Uh, <laughs> he proceeds to lock himself in his fucking bathroom, dude. <laughs> I know, see, JJ's played some dark, so I know he knows the pain. <laughs> I do. Uh... He was so... Angry, like I fancied myself a, a dark fight. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Here's what you do: you double on, you double <laughs> off. And hey, doubling off's it's really this narrow fucked. ring it's, around the yeah. edge. You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> Don't worry about and it. You're not gonna, gonna hit it. I was just gonna bat him around like a cat with a little mouse. <laughs> oh my god! It didn't go that way. No, it didn't go my way. No, yeah, fond memories of playing darts up there with your old man. So I gotta ask. I'm sorry, the bois. It's a bunch of dudes having fun together, right? But how have we not talked about LeBlanc yet? How have we not? You being as competitive as you are, I mean, I see you walk around and pace, and you're quiet. But it's because we're a bunch of drunk fucking idiots. I get that. But is there a part of you that you you get tuned up for LeBlanc? Like you're there to fucking win, are you not? Absolutely, <laughs> dude. It's and he's not walking around because of the drunken idiots. He's he's so familiar with that that landscape. That's not it. It's because he is pumped up and wants to win. He and nearly you he nearly decapit. He completely sober again. He nearly decapitated Todd again. Rest in peace, Todd. <laughs> he threw his darts like towards him as he was walking out. 
after a tough loss. True statement, Jim? It's it's ninety five percent true. I, he, he ducked and I threw the things. I was lucky not to have hit it. <laughs> it seems but I, I, I didn't I didn't want to throw them at him. I just threw them at the wall and he he was he was just between me and the wall. <laughs> and he ducked at the right time. And he didn't know I was throwing him. He just ended up bending over, picking tying his shoe or whatever he was doing, and it didn't hit him. He stood up right after they hit in the wall. <laughs> As you Lucky me. stampeded to your room and went to sleep, completely sober, angry. Uh, so, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Jim, is, um, he's competitive. That's why. Yeah, he, he wants to win, and he's won a lot of them. We've talked about it. There's no reason to belabor this. Yes, he's won a lot. All right. And and he fucked us. He fucked you and I out of a title too. Like he was he was on the committee that screwed you and I. Do you feel any remorse regarding that? Drew led it. Drew led this factor, but Jim just fell right in the suit. Uh, And I I don't recall what the details were. Oh, Jay, please explain. You guys can refresh my memory. Yeah, let me refresh your memory. Well, Steve and I uh, we lost every first game of every event. But due to our scoring system, when you win out after losing the first game, you play more games than everybody else. On a, wait, so let you, me just interject. On a point system that was agreed upon by everybody prior ahead to of the time, event, yes. Uh, and so when you win out after losing the first game from the loser bracket, you accumulate more points than those teams that just won. Uh, and so, what is it? Sunday morning. Sunday morning. We're new, getting ready new, to play some horseshoes, and because Steve and JJ are in the lead, uh, after playing the longest day of wiffle ball. Ever, uh, yeah. they're all long. We got we, we well. No, but we had to, we lost our first game games, and we had to play five and we won four. And we lost you guys in the finals, great. And then we <laughs> played darts. We lost our first game and worked our way back. We won them all. <laughs> yeah, same thing. We didn't pull. We worked. I lost our first game. Worked our way back. We did not have a strategy. Okay, do you? And then on Sunday morning, what did they do, Jay? They're gonna rip away a point from us. From no, every changing event. the score. Yeah, we didn't realize that somebody could win. And again, I, I'm one of the rules committee guys so I, I did help set this rule but um didn't realize a team would lose we'd all lose our game the first here was the reasoning well we'd all lose our first game steve if we knew that that's how you do it that's drew talking there, of course is there a condensed version of this story <laughs> <laughs> we're still not happy about it what was the what was the uh idea you changed the rules on sunday like from what to what that's from from where you got a point for every win to oh no we're going to do the five three one method Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Changed it. You know, with me and my numbers, I didn't come up with that idea. <laughs> I told you who started it and finished it. Uh, One person. Actually, he wasn't involved, but, well, no, he, he was involved. He got approval. pulled in. Yeah. It was a Drew thing. Yeah. Oh, it was a Drew thing. Of course, because you were his partner. Worker, isn't he? <laughs> he loves his angles. <laughs> he yeah. is an angler uh, and not a fisherman. Yes, he, he works that stuff uh, hard, and he brought Todd in to his side because, of course, Todd... Always looking for a good argument, and um, yeah, we we got screwed. Hence the asterisk on the year that you get, and Drew won because you didn't win legally. Oh, that was me and Drew's year. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, you can't. You get them all. Mixed you get them up. all. Mixed yeah, up. we get it. We get it. That's uh, I couldn't tell you what no, year was yeah, what. Mm, no. Hey, do you have any ideas for resurrecting the blah? Whatever we have to do to make it the same as it was. <laughs> well, got to buy a it house. Was great. It was. It was awesome. You know, who knows? I think I'm really am, and you know, it's just the three of us talking here. Yeah, but just the three of us. I'm thinking this spring we're going to reunite it. I think we can pull it off in May of this year. Really? Where? 
I got some thoughts. We just got to get people to put the time aside because I think some people, the guy I'm talking to to my left here, he's probably lost that. Like some of the married guys, as soon as they lost that, it's going to be really hard to fight back (laughs) again. Yeah. Uh, So I think we might lose a few of the married dudes, um, but I I think we can get 10 guys. That's my goal. And I'm thinking, I mean, renting a big house, renting a big house house in Boise. No, doing Airbnb. The Hogue, California idea is just went up in flames. Is it sold? Uh, sounds like it. I haven't I haven't gotten the details, but he's Crazy. talking about moving and stuff. Well, no, that wasn't part of the play. Not to bore everybody. No, we're gonna run. We're gonna do an Airbnb and have everybody show up there. We got this. I got oh, this. Okay. Yep. Okay. 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 Good. Uh, I'll allow it. Jimmy, did you ever have to wear hand me downs growing up? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I wore hand-me-downs, and my grandma made us clothes. Ooh, those are always gems. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. must have had to wear Will's stuff, dude. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. see? Hand-me-down. Okay, that's was... and then that's a great one. Hand-me-downs, and then what was your favorite toy growing up? My favorite toy? Plan. Yep. Uh, let's see. It was always It was always like footballs or baseball mitts or stuff like that but as far as like toys i don't video I games anything no <laughs> never, never <got laughs> he didn't have cable dude pong <laughs> he didn't have cable out there he was so excited when he'd come to my apartment or he had other channels <laughs> hbo no way so true yeah but uh yeah as far as toys yeah video games that we had an atari you know way back in the day which got Stolen, or was going to get stolen, but he broke into our house. How many times your house get broken into? Our house has been broken into multiple times, but I've only come home twice with the guy still there. (laughs) Dude, this is another (laughs) story. I I mean, it's it's awesome. Can give me give me a a cliff note version of the best one? Well, the the first one was weird. The first one was weird. He was just a guy who it was just weird. He had. I walked in and the door was unlocked and he's the guy that had the Atari console out <laughs> and ready to go. He had, he was going to take my electric blanket, my chess set and the Atari console. But while he was at the house, before I came home from school, he had taken all the food out of the cupboards and put it on the counters. He showered and shaved downstairs in my mom and dad's shower. And when I, what the first time I saw him, I was talking to my mom. He was shooting hoops out in our driveway. <laughs> and, and then yes. I, so I didn't know, I didn't know how to take it. And I thought he must be like a, a cousin or something that I'd never met that he was making himself right at home. But uh, and, let me explain uh, something real quick. You lived three, four miles outside of town. Is that fair? Like, I mean, you don't, you're, you yeah. don't have neighbors per se. Like, so that's yeah, weird. He lives off a, a highway from town. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, lot, back then it was a lot farther away from town, and yeah. we're still out kind of in the sticks. But yeah. back then it was really out in the sticks. Wow, what a trip! Yeah, so and that guy ended up being a guy. He 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 uh, claimed he was my brother. He walked over to that. We had this hutch in our entryway, and he walks over and he he'd obviously gone through everything because he picks out this family picture and he's like, "Yeah, see, there's mom and dad, and there's you, and there's me. I'm your brother." <laughs> you know, looking at it, I'm like, "Oh my god, what is this guy?" And then. uh my mom had called our neighbor, George, who was a guy. There's no doubt that he brought a gun over. But he showed up He he showed up a few minutes later, and then the cops came and stuff, and the guy ended up getting taken away, and it all ended up fine. But that one was bizarre. But the other one was the yeah. The other one was the, uh, the glorious uh, yeah. ended in a fight. 
thing. Ooh. No, it didn't end in a fight. Was... It ended up in a beating. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was a fight at first. It ended up being a beating, but but uh, that's that might be the most proud my dad's ever been of me after I told him that story. Yeah. So so you come in and and there's a dude invading the house, correct? That that one I walked in and again. Our house had been broken into a bunch of times, and <laughs> and so uh, you kind of get a feel for it when you walk in the front door. You just kind of get a feel you for it. Oh, okay, feel. here we go again. That's not <laughs> a normal no, feeling. No, it's not. <laughs> so, so I walk in, and it's like, oh, this is weird. Doors unlocked. Oh, and Bob and Rick Wozniak had spent the had spent the night the night before, and I had to go to work in the morning, and I left. I trusted those guys to lock the door when they left, which trustworthy fellows they, they are. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so I walk in and doors unlock. So and then it's, it feels weird when I walk in, and then I hear some noise downstairs, like somebody turning over a jewelry box on the bed. Is exactly what it sounded like, and I'm like, oh shit, there's somebody here. And uh, my bedroom was upstairs, and I walked in there and I grabbed one of those little bars that you use for a dumbbell, and uh, I was going to go downstairs and <laughs> without a plan, actually, I was going to go downstairs with a bar in my hand and not know what the, what was going to happen. <laughs> guy. One of the guys comes running up the stairs right when I started down. So we met kind of on the stairs. And and he says, uh, you know, something like, hey, where's Ron? <laughs> and I go, ah, there's no Ron here, buddy. You got to leave. <laughs> and then he just turned around. And but just in that brief instance, somebody else was downstairs and they left. I could hear him slam the door and, and run off. And then he just left downstairs and left out the downstairs door, too. And, uh, so they, they leave. Oh, I forgot to tell you the weird part about the beginning of that story is when I came home, I was coming home from work. I was working at the gas station. And at the bottom of our driveway, there's a turnout right off the highway that used to be our bus stop. And there was a car parked there with a kid in it. He's like a little four or five-year-old kid in this car by himself in the back seat. What? So I pull, I pull into the driveway, and I'm like, that ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> so I back up, and I, I go to, over to the car, and I'm you know, have the kid roll down the window. I'm like, I didn't know where to begin. I'm like, well, where, what are you up, doing man? here? Why are you here by yourself? He's like, oh, this is my dad. I'm like, okay, well, and I thought, is your dad a big enough idiot to have car <laughs> problems and then head into town on foot by himself with the kid still in the car? You know, and I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And uh, he, he uh, the kid's like, no, he's fine. He'll be back in a minute. Like the kid knew that his dad was in the <laughs> mom and dad's house fucking ripping us off. Because he pointed to the house. He's like, he's it. And then he put his hand down real quick after he pointed. He's like, oh, he'll be back in a minute. Oh, uh, it's fine. I'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, I'll go change out of my uniform, and then I'll come back down and check on the kid and see what the deal is. And that's when I went home and grabbed the barbell and saw the guy and chased him off. So the first guy that left, obviously, had the car. He was long gone, and he left the guy that I saw on the stairs on foot. So I go to the phone, and I'm talking to Rick on the phone, telling him what it you know, idiot he is for not <laughs> locking the, the door, door lock, and, you know, and then I see the guy walking down the road, out, you know, he can oversee the highway from my, yeah. from our window. And I see the guy that broke into our house walking away and I was just livid. I felt like a big pussy for just not doing, doing anything about yeah. it, just letting him leave, you know? And uh, my parents were gone for like a week. So they, they weren't anywhere nearby, you know, anywhere in town. And uh, so I told, I told Rick, you know, I'm going to go confront this guy and, and, uh, you know, you can meet me, you know, I'm just, you might want to come over and help me out or back me up or pick up my remains off the road, or <laughs> whatever. And uh, so I went down there and uh, and I, I pulled up right, 
cut him off on the side of the road. He was walking on foot, and I got out and I confronted him. And, I, and this was before cell phones, so I couldn't, you know, there was no cell phone. So I'm down on the highway with this guy that broke into our house, just me and him. And there's no traffic on that road. It's just a, it was a, even back then. I mean, it was a, just a remote road, and uh, and so he doesn't like the fact that I'm going to call the cops or invite him back to the house to wait for the cops or whatever my plan was supposed to be. I didn't know what it was. But a car comes around the bend, and I stop him, and I tell the guy in the car to head into town, call the police, and let him know that this guy broke into our house. And the guy says he will do it, and he heads on into town. Well, it's two miles into town. (laughs) (laughs) Helps not (laughs) real close. It's not not going to be fast. So, you know, the guy's not going to sit there and wait until the cops get in there. So he, you know, comes up and shoves me and I'm scared. Never really been in a real fight before. And he shoves me. And then I hit him so hard in the face with all the fear and anger that I've ever felt in my life. What was going through my mind was dreams where you really, where you throw punches super slow. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't slow. I, I yeah. just bingo punched him right in the jaw, <laughs> and I knocked him in the air on his back right in the middle of the road, in the middle of Highway 227. He's laying there, and he gets up, and he comes at me again, and I hit him another one <laughs> with my right hand right to the side of his face so hard. It was like a total pure shot, and I, I finished him all on balance, and I just it was just the most pure punch that I've ever thrown in my life. And he went down, and he was out. He was <laughs> on the middle of the freeway. He was laying on the middle of the highway, out. And he was out for probably like I don't know, like three or four seconds. And then he gets up, and he's like, "Oh, don't don't hit me anymore!" Don't hit me anymore. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and I wanted to. I, I wanted him to get up and like come after me. I was really feeling pumped up. And then he gets up. He's all, "I'll wait. I'll wait." And he goes and he leans on the car to wait for the police. He's like, "I'll be good. I'll wait for the cops." I'm like, "Okay." You know, being all tough. <laughs> well, he turns and runs. He turns and runs. And where the car's parked, it's right on the edge of the highway, and there's a big slope. It's like a, probably like a 25, 30-foot slope that's pretty steep, steep that goes down. And he goes running off the edge there, and he tumbles. <laughs> and, and I come running after him and still in my gas station uniform, and these vines with these stickers are grabbing my pants. It's, like, hard to run through it because it's got these, like, one-inch stickers and he's rolling in that and he's he's rolling in that and he ends up at the base of this oak tree and i went down there and i was so pissed because he ran i just just cracked him across the face so he (laughs) i i I just i I did a number on him and then rick shows up (laughs) so we're at the bottom of this embankment and rick's up at the top with the sun behind him so he's just like a silhouette and he's got a baseball bat a little late to the party rick and then, uh, so I don't, so I'm taking some satisfaction about what this guy might be thinking about what's coming next for this because we're you know out in this remote place and there's a guy just showed up with a baseball bat, but uh, you know I can't get any satisfaction out of <laughs> hitting a harmless uh, you know unarmed guy with a baseball bat or anything like that. Whoa. So and I didn't I got sick and tired of waiting for the cops, so I just told him to beat it. Oh really? Yeah, I just told him to beat it. Nice. And. Uh, and that was my story about uh, the guy breaking into our house. That's insane. Yep. Uh, that's a Always great, love this story. Those are great stories. I don't know. I, well, Nobody gets their house broken into in once. In the middle of fucking nowhere. Twice. Yeah, and it's nowhere. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you look callous towards it. Uh, Jim, you've been awesome. Uh, we're going to have you on again, obviously, because there's, there's too much to share. But um, I want to thank you. Uh, it's been awesome. Jay? Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, thank fun. you. It was so much fun. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, happy Thursday. Have a good night at work. Yeah, you too, guys. Peace out, everybody. Talk to you soon.